On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. It is uh, six minutes past nine o'clock. Good morning and welcome to Punners Postmortem on this Monday, the 16th of October, whatever you uh, are up to on the weekend. Hopefully you had a great one. And if you were on the punt or you were watching or you were even at Ramwick or Caulfield, what a, what a, uh, what a Saturday I reckon you've had. Just sensational racing right across the country. In the next uh, little bit, we're going to talk about the races and how they unfolded. Take your calls as well on 1350353 and on the text line 0419767272. Our panel is Ron Duffy, Chris Roots and David Gately. I'll say good morning to Duff. Great to have you on Punners Postmortem. Well, we've got through Saturday. The Everest Day, it was sensational there at Ramwick and the carnival will continue to roll on and I reckon... If that sets the bar, we're in for a big treat, Duff. Uh, no doubt about it, Dave. It's going to be a bit quiet a week this week with a couple of pre-leads, but we've still got, uh, you know, we're moving to the invitation and champion stakes, and, and that follows up with the big Golden Eagle meeting. So, And then we move on and on after that. But uh, Saturday was just unbelievable. Uh, you were there. You, just the feeling of the race courses. People are streaming through the gates like the old days and enjoying a day out and great horses on show and some fantastic results there as well. Yeah, you're right. It is, it's a very, very different feeling. Uh, it's like no other feeling that I've had at a, a race meeting. And um, obviously the, the buzz and excitement around the whole day. Uh, and, you know, you, obviously there's even walking through that betting ring um, in, the, uh, in the main grandstand there, just the, the people that were lined up to bet. I saw a couple of the bookies even tweeted out. I think um, even Dwyer tweeted out that, you know, that it was the most that he'd ever held in a long, long time. So people are getting the races. While some of them aren't having a punt, they're just going for the day out. A lot of them are. And whether they're big or small punters, they're enjoying the sport. David Gately was on Sky Racing 1. You had the front row seat for the Everest, the Guineas Day. How'd you go on the punt, Dave? No, and I've had better days, but uh, we live to fight another day, as they say. And uh, You learn more from your losses than your wins. But um, yeah, it's not about me. It's about um, yeah the, the sport, and uh, it was yeah a, a majestic day. And if you're if you're a Sydney Melbourne uh, fan, as I've been for a thousand years, it seems it's one of the best days I can remem- remember. It certainly was, Chris Roots. Good morning to you uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald. Obviously, always lots of news to come out of a a race day like this. The build up, though, I mean, you've been in the game a long time, press wise. The build-up to Saturday's race, obviously we know that uh, we're going to get a lot of content in and around the Everest in the Sydney papers, but even the quality of racing that was there in Melbourne too, I mean, um, it was a, it was a punish delight, wasn't it? Chris, have we got you? We mightn't have Chris Roots. I thought that was a really good intro too, Tanya. I thought yeah. it was outstanding. What do you think, Gator? What do you think, Duff? It was, yeah, I just teed him up beautifully. I put you on. I put you on mute like I usually do. Oh, jeez! <laughs> there um, you go. Already a zinger from Ruda. How good? Well, a zinger by me by putting you, you guys on mute. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, what a great day. Uh, we used to have an argument over whether Derby Day or Golden Slipper Day was the best day of racing in Australia. It's now clearly Everest and Caulfield Guineas Day or Caulfield Cup Day. It has just taken racing to the 
masses in such a big way that everyone is talking about it. I, I've been to Melbourne and what Melbourne used to be where you, you'd um, go out um, all week and people would be talking about the races and you'd go out after the last and there'd be people in um, people um, going to restaurants and continuing their afternoon. Well, I went home. I got home about 8 o'clock on, on Saturday night and went to the local pub and there was people dressed up in their race gear still, um, still buzzing from um, the, um, the event on Saturday. And then when the band started there, the first thing they asked them to, to play was Sweet Caroline. That just shows you the cut through this race meeting has got in Sydney now. is now probably the, along with um, State of Origin, the NRL Grand Final, the biggest, one of the biggest event, sporting events in, in Sydney. And it's been, it's taken seven years and it's only going to get bigger. All right, let's... I, had, I had lunch at Woolamoo Wharf yesterday and they were blasting Sweet Caroline up the wharf, would you believe, on Sunday still. Fair dinkum. So it is unbelievable how it's just captured everyone's attention for that week. And, um, yeah, it, it's a... Does it... Can, can you answer this, Chris? Is You say, is it with the way the year unfolds for the next few years, is it going to be Everest and Caulfield Guineas every year, or does that switch no, around? So no. It's a, it's a one-off this year, Duff. Um, when the Melbourne Cup's back on the 7th, it's it's basically where it, where, where how the days fall. And, unfortunately... Okay. Um, it'll be Caulfield Cup Day. I think in time, the Melbourne Racing Club might actually look at it and go, well, what can we do to strengthen Caulfield Cup Day and put another Group 1 on that day? Like, it, there's, there's an opportunity that for them to have a look at that and say, do we look at um, do we look at putting a, moving one? I, I, don't, I can't see them moving the two-rack or the might and power, but the guineas could be a race that, that would suit suit um being moved back if you're if you're really because it's almost the grand final for those miling three-year-olds apart from the ones that go under cox plate so if that happens it, it, you know when when these days happen it, it it appears that both these clubs uh both racing new south wales and the mrc they want to make this day a huge day and you have to have that presence of the best horses and i think that's what made it so special on the weekend too that you'd watch the best sprinters in Sydney, you watch the best milers in Sydney, but then you turned over and you had horse like Alligator Blood go around in the Might and Power. You had the best three-year-olds go around in the Guineas, which was a fantastic contest. And finishing the day with the, with the Turak um, really worked for everyone and drove turnover right to the end. I'd, I'd hate to see what the numbers were in Perth because I think they would have got a bit of flow on from punters who, who, who hadn't had enough by the time they'd been on 40 races for the day. Let's talk about the Tab Everest. Uh, obviously, we've uh, heard a lot from Sam Clippen and, and uh, Joe Pride. Uh, we've also heard as well from the Beaten Jockey Brigade. We might hear from that now for the Everest. Um, this is the what the Beaten Jocks had to say, and then we'll come back with Duff, um, uh, David Gately, and also Chris Roots and talk about the race and how it unfolded. Luke Nolan, I wish I win. He was terrific. Um, favorite, uh, the draw probably did us no real favours, but... Uh, I thought even every hope was sort of under the circumstances presented. And he was brave. He just didn't get that chance to find free air and build. Um, but geez, he's run super. He's probably the run of the race. So um, uh, they run this every year. So we've got a little bit of this year. We get a lot more next year. Nashville, a private eye. Yeah, he was very gallant. Um, got in probably a position where you don't want to be, but at the same time, he got very comfortable. I was just watching, uh, think about it the whole race, thinking, geez, I wish I was where you are, but. Uh, Look, my break, he travelled up beautiful, give his, uh, give his heart and soul and um, 
you know, he'll, he'll be there in a couple of weeks' time for that big, another next big race. Zach Purton in secret? Yeah, really, really good run. Just got stuck behind Shinzo, who couldn't really hold his spot and sort of dragged me out of it a little bit. But once I was able to get around him and then come through, she was very good. Zach Lloyd, Cylinder? Yeah, fantastic run at the top of the straight. I thought it was a sneaky chance. He really quickened with the winner. Um, probably that last 20. They, they were found to be a bit stronger than him at this stage, but yeah, he's a great colt. James McDonald, Hawaii 5 He went really well. He's, he boxed on nice. It's just hard from out there, but he worked into a nice spot, nice spot and let down strongly. But Dylan Gibbons, bonus notches. Yeah, he was lucky not to come down the point of the corner, so shame how it happened today. Josh Parr, overpass. Uh, no, no good. He um, he was unable to quicken and and let go. The last 400 metre of the race was was very plain, so somewhat confused. Tommy Berry, Mazu. Yeah, over the moon early to find the back of I wish I win and we just went looking for runs at the top of the straight and we got one for a couple of strides and then it closed but good to see that he has come back good. Karen McAvoy, Shinzo. I actually thought he ran really well. Um, didn't have really a smooth transition from sort of the 600 to the 300 really. Um, had horse on the outside and just laid on him a little bit and a few traffic issues but he's run a good race. He's best work with his last part and I'm sure there's more to come from him. Alcohol free, Craig Williams. Yeah, she was able to, you know, he's able to use her speed to get outside a, a, you know, a strong tempo. The track's too firm for her today. She would have felt the effects of today and she had really good speed, but I think she would find a horse that'd be more acclimatised after this prep and also maybe a little bit further with less pressure. All right, that's the beaten jock stuff. Lovely ride by Sam Clipperton. He got in the 1 1. We heard then from Luke Nolan with I Wish I Win. Obviously, he burst through late, but. As Greg Radley said uh, to Jamie Walter, who will actually join me on Monday's Experts a little bit later on today on Sky Sports Radio, this horse just doesn't know how to lose. No, he does not. And his record speaks for itself. Um, he just executed it so well. Um, he had the barrier to start with. He used the barrier. Cool, calm and collected. Sam just put him in the 1-1, took his time, counted to 10 and off he went. So that's just him. He's um, He's just a complete racehorse with a a great racing brain, and um, yeah, uh, I thought second horse is an outstanding horse in his own right, I wish I win, and a beautiful ride by Nolan, uh, maybe held up for one stride, but you couldn't have hoped for more um, from the barrier than what he did, he, he, he did the job early, getting in front of a couple, uh, he took the runs as they come, he peeled around them, and he probably... If he would have drawn four, just peeling around like the winner did, he's a better horse because we know he can. when he winds up, he really winds up. And I don't know whether he really had an opportunity to do that, but, boy, that's just nitpicking because he rode him so, so well. Private Hyde did have excuses, um, exposed all the way. In secret, did have excuses because she had to drag back from that wide barrier, and I thought she was outstanding. So she's right back in play, and she's ready for a, uh, still another peak performance. And uh, the Y50, I think he's really looking good uh, for the Golden Eagle. He's just crying out for further than 1,200 metres now. And uh, I thought Shinzo went good. And Mazu had excuses. Ben Bonas not just had excuses. Uh, down the page there, and Cylinder was was great. I mean, it was a length off the cream of the crop. So uh, a great contest, a worthy winner, but some obviously uh, nothing really lost much. Uh, you, you can't talk anything down here, other than probably the underachiever uh, was overpass. Mm. Uh, David Gailey, your thoughts. Yeah, well, they went a bit quicker than we thought they would. Um, about a length and a half below sort of Group 1 average. 34.5 first 600. Overall time sizzling, 1.764. I don't think there's any doubt it's the best sprint race 
in the world, probably. Um, you know, when your horse uh, that's run ninth uh, still runs really well um, and would win a lot of other races. My first thought on the race was uh, the winner uh, had the right run and it was terrific, but second, third and fourth were all better runs than the winner. Then I went back and looked at it and thought, how can you take anything away from this horse? I mean, you watch him on and over the line, uh, they're coming at him and he's running away from him again. So, you know, I think that's... Um, I've changed my mind on that. I think the, the right horse won. Um, I, I understand the sob stories with I wish I win, held up a touch, private eye wide, in secret, long way back. But he just... I just think he would have fought him off anyway, you know? So, anyway, we get a lot wrong. But that's the way I read the race. And so all the way down to ninth, I think were good runs for, for just the right races for those horses. Uh, Chris, obviously lots of news to come out of the race, um, but... Uh, you both spoke with Sam, uh, Joe, and also Jamie afterwards, and you said that uh, Sam was so confident leading into this race. Yeah, I think on Saturday we saw what confidence in a jockey and in their horse does to how they ride them. Like you can be, you can go out and think you're going to win, but I think Sam knew he was going to win, and I don't say that lightly. I walked back in with Sam after after he got the trophy, and we were having a chat, and we stopped at the screen. And as we stopped at the screen, we're at the 300 where well, I think about it, um, hit the front. I said, what did you think there? He said, I thought it was over. He said, nothing runs past this horse. He said, um, even on the line, he said he was still waiting for them a little bit and, and he had a lot left. Now, just to put um, this horse into perspective, he's won two Group 1 races and an Everest. He's won 11 from 12 which is the most most races won by a horse with one defeat in Australian history. He went past um, uh, Glenic Jewel with that. So there's been horses that have been defeated and there's been horses that have been undefeated. But this horse is now in rare air. And the next time, he, next if he can execute again, he goes to 10 straight wins, Johns Burnborough and Carbine and horses like that. And he's, he's racing at the top level now. There's... There, there was an argument. I think we're all you're all talking about who's the best horse in Australia at the moment. Well, the best horse in Australia is to think about it, and it's going to take a really good one to beat him eventually. Um, going back to the going back into the um, rest of the field was um, you look back and they they all had their chance. Um, I know they had harder runs. They were you know Luke Nolan was absolutely right with what he said. Barrier one was just a curse for I wish for win. He needs. He's a horse that needs to build, and then he explodes. So he can run um, lengths, a couple of lengths quicker if he's got that ability to build. When he's clogged up, he's just he can still sprint, and he's still an outstanding horse. But you don't see his absolute top when he doesn't get in clear air. Um, private eye, three wide, the trip, just very unlucky. And as the boys have said, um, in secret, um, probably a, probably the best run of her career. Now she goes to the, straight to the um, the champion sprint. I'll just run through these quickly. Shinzo and and Cylinder to the Coolmore, um, provided they come through okay. I wish I wish I win. They're not quite sure. They're going to go back to Melbourne and and work out what they're going to do with him. Um, Private Eye, think about it to the Giga Kick. Overpass. Now he's he's tossing up between the Giga Kick and going to Melbourne for the Manicato. And um, Hawaii 5-0, of course, goes to the um, Golden Eagle. So that's a, a 
in, in five seconds a quick where, where these horses will go, but we'll see a lot of them again. Okay. All right, so there you go. At uh, 9.21 on Monday morning, punters post-mortem, Chris Roots, David Gately and Ron Doversy. That is the tab Everest. Uh, the other feature, well, we had stacks of features on the card, but I want to talk about this King Charles Third stakes. And, uh, well, the jocks, this is what they, beaten jocks had to say behind fangirl, Chris Swaller and J-Mac, of course, victorious. Craig Williams, Mr Brightside. Yeah, he gave me a beautiful ride from the barrier. He was great, honest again, around the top of the turn. I wasn't going well and just shows you what type of horse he is. Um, he pulls up well and obviously he's got on the cox plate and the way that he went today, you'll be looking forward to the extra distance with him. Chad Schofield, my Oberon. Yeah, Annabelle's got him flying. He's, he's running so well, all prep and he'll grow a leg when it's a softer. Dylan Gibbons, Nugget. Yeah, he's ran his absolute heart out. I'd love to ride 100 horses like him and must mention Dad's run third and him, I've run fourth on him, so I'm going to hear about this later. Tommy Berry, Kovalika. Yeah, just cool that we had to go so far back, but gave me goosebumps late. Nashville, will I think it over? Um, yeah, look, he's, he's come through the race all right, but he, he probably didn't stretch out under pressure like he can. Um, and I reckon it's just these hard tracks, you know. He's had these couple of hard runs now and did a so proud the other day beating Zaki. And oh, I think it's a good time to give him a break and, and just, just aim him for the um, Queen Elizabeth. Hugh Bowman, Buckaroo. I was satisfied with him, you know, fresh off the plane from Ireland. He just found the pace too too frantic, but he balanced up and worked the line well, so looking forward to his future here. Hope in your heart, Jason Collett? Yeah, she's run huge. Uh, come from a long way back. We used to path through them and, yeah, head the line strong. Zach Lloyd, Golden Mile? Yeah, he sort of just he got over racing the first probably two, three furlongs, which didn't help him in the end. He just got a bit tired late. Cathy O'Hara, Redina? Brave effort. He was still right there until the 100 metres, but... um. Weight scale doesn't suit him as well today. Zach Burton, light infantry man. He's got more tricks than you. Yeah, he's uh, not easy, but he's very good through the line. Yeah, Sam Cliberton. Didn't give that one my best ride, unfortunately, but just from a wide draw, um, got stuck wide. I thought he did a good job to um, stick onto the line. A tissue, Kara McAvoy. I actually thought she ran a good race. She, she felt well. Just hard to give them ground here today on, on this firm track. They were, they were humming along and kept humming in front. She went well. She'll go down to Melbourne and be a chance in the mire. Josh Parr, Huetto. Oh, I thought his run was well. He was interrupted at the 600-metre point, and that cost him in the, the final stages. That's the beaten jocks and the King Charles. Goal there from Zach Purton to Shani. That's he's a, he's a character, Zach. He's straight he's, on the plane. We'll have he's to start, a brave man. He's we'll, a brave man. We'll have to start what do we need to get a backhander? <laughs> I reckon. We'll have to start calling a Copperfield. Uh, now, fangirl. Obviously, we talk about confidence. I know Chris will touch on this shortly, but gee, the way in which J Mac rode this uh, particular mare, she was just travelling for him, and he copped the thousand dollars for the big salute. But he's got plenty, James. Yeah, look, uh, she was airborne there on Saturday, and uh, just loved getting an inside draw on a dry track. Everything fell into place for her. Maybe it is the J. I, I might be wrong, but I think he's he's unbeaten on her. Uh, she's won... Yeah, three uh, from three, I think, Chris, I think isn't, might be, isn't he? Might be four, four, from four. four from four. Yeah, so we know he runs for her. He knows when to get on her, one or the other. Um, but typical Chris Weller plan, looked at this race. Um, you know, she f- found the right race at the right time and she just excelled there late. Mr Brightside was very brave because he, he, he was in trouble on the point of the turn. Maybe we do put it down to a harder track with him. He just might be better with the jar out of it, although he's pretty good on the dry as well. My Oberon is flying. Uh, for a horse that hasn't won in a while, he's, he's, he's 
outperformed in some big group ones. And I think the run of the race, probably outside the winner, was Kovalika. He is ready to go. Um, don't know whether... Cox played? Yeah, I don't know whether he can win it, but I'll be backing him. Because um, I, I think he's... I, don't I wouldn't know, be I'd backing him in the Cox plate, though. Really? Okay. He's going okay. to Golden Eagle. The, the plan is to go to the Golden Eagle. Um, it's just, they'll just have a, have another think about it. But talking to Chris, he said he's probably thinking more Golden Eagle than Cox Plate. Right. Well, well I don't, I'm not a fan coming back in distant on him, but I'd still be backing him in that as well because it's a, it's a bit like Fangirl. It's been a plan to have him peaking at his next run. And maybe Chris is thinking militarised as far as the Cox Plates. I don't know, but... Um, yes, you're like, right there. That's, yeah. I'll just go through them. Militarised okay. Cox Plate, Fangirl Cox Plate, Kovalika Eagle. That's, that, that's not set in stone, but the next seven days... That's where they'll end up. Okay. okay, so you're saying fangirl, cox plate, not the mayor's race? Yep. Mm. Okay, that's interesting because I see he just had a smirk when he was asked on Saturday what he said there's one more for her, and then there was um, hesitation saying which one it was. So there was a feeling it might be the cox plate. So, yeah, the exciting times ahead at a few of these horses next start. And if it is a Cox Plate, Chris, it would mean a new jockey jumps on her back because James is already engaged uh, with Romantic um, Warrior. Yeah, he jumped down there and jumped around, went and took him around the valley on Sunday morning. And um, James was pretty funny after the race. He said, oh, I think that the, the, there's, a, there's a race, there's another race for her. Uh, there. She's better the at 14 than a mile. And when I spoke to Chris yesterday, he said, you know why James is saying that? Because he's already got a ride in the Cox Plate. So, um, um, you know, he's outthought James McDonald once again. But um, she was she was dynamic, wasn't she? She was just... Um, I spoke to James earlier in the week and he was bouncing off the walls about this filly. And that's the reason for the big salute. Because, as I said with Sam... Um, they, he, I, I fully believe that James McDonald expected that performance and expected her to win like that. He said after the race in the trial against the Everest horses, she could have, she could have almost got a slot. She was going that that good. So, it's, it, you know, when they get lo- when they get locked in these jockeys onto these horses and they think they they think they're big chances. It just it goes from a hundred percent to hundred and ten percent, and the ride was absolutely perfect when he got inside. Mr. Brightside about the 400 and just accelerated. Uh, we've seen Mr. Brightside and David can probably talk to this a bit better. That run some amazing times in Melbourne. She just left him standing. She was she was unbelievable with her acceleration and what she, and the time she ran. Uh, David Gately, uh, we're in awe of her watching her on your television screen. No doubt um, she's impressed you. And would you be keen to to look at her in a Cox Plate fangirl? Yeah, I'm really glad I jumped off on Saturday. It's, um, it was uh, nothing short of brilliant. I mean, 2.7 lengths over an elite field late. Again, she wasn't clean away, but yeah, it's made up uh, that ground and put into a perfect spot. I think the rapport with the jockey is um, noteworthy. Um, I think she's highly competitive in a Cox Plate. You'd love to guarantee she could jump cleanly around the valley um, and guarantee you get a dry track, but... Uh, yeah, I think she's um, highly competitive uh, in that sort of race. You know, Kovalika's run um, just wasn't given any hope. Was was two lengths off the runner-up, Mr. Brightside, um, from an impossible position. So you guys have summed 
Uh, his, up, uh, his progress up uh, extremely well. Back 100 metres is the obvious query for an eagle, but I'm not going to second-guess the stable. Um, I'm not going to start doing that now. The interesting part about Mr Brightside, Duff, I'm not sure if you heard Friday's panel where we had Vince Accardi on the program. Uh, and Vince did say, he said, look, obviously, uh, I love this horse, Mr Brightside. The data and trajectory through daily sectionals had you know, indicated... You know, the performances were sensational, but he did make um highlight of the trial saying that he just was, you know, the, the information came out of the trial meant that uh, he was obviously flying and had he left some at the trial back there on the 2nd of October. And uh, obviously it's onwards and upwards to the Cox Plate. I think the team have come out and said, no, well, we're still going that way. Um, we just were beaten by a better horse. But that was a interesting factor, I thought, that Vince made on Friday. Yeah, I missed that, but... Uh has to be taken into consideration, but he it's not as if he failed there on Saturday. He was just being beaten by a flying mare on the day. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, let's talk the guineas down in Melbourne because our eyes were on militarise and uh, obviously, look, I guess you can't say the party was spoiled because there were some brilliant stories to come out of this weekend and one obviously is uh, young Bo and, uh, and Mitch who get their first Group 1 gainer. Yeah, that's right. And Mitch backed it up with a marathon Sunday here in Melbourne, around a 3.21 marathon, I think, um, or thereabouts. So um, if he's done that off the gas, he's the run of the day. Uh, but Damien Lane ran a 2.55 at the Melbourne Marathon yesterday. So that's elite. Okay, back yes. to the horses. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, militarised. Uh, what can you say? Best run in the race, but um, we're no richer. Uh, first three out, first three home. Um, they didn't go as far as it seemed. Uh, but that acceleration forward of the 200 from the Cornella was where those backmarkers couldn't get into the race. They ranked first and second for that section of the race. Uh, I think they're about a length below group one average early. But, um, yeah, on pace dominated uh, Guineas and uh, militarised race fastest time, uh, but a bridge too far as it turned out. But clearly he'll end up the best horse out of that. Mm. Duff, what are we... I mean, you've you've ridden. Why do we find that in Sydney the tempo seems different to, to Melbourne and vice versa. Is there a reason for this? Is it because of their tracks? Is it because of their... Um, yeah, what, why is it? You'd think that being... Know. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. You know, so it's strange. I think there's a little theory in it that they do go slower in their races down there than we do here, but every race is a different challenge and we have different speed maps and there's a lot of races in Sydney that... That's true. Slow races. Well, I remember speaking to Brett Preble on the program when he just moved up here, and I said, "How are you finding life in Sydney?" He said, "It's different. I've had to adapt to go a little more quicker here. It's not a stop start as it is in Melbourne." And I found that interesting. Obviously, uh, from Brett, and we see jockeys go down there and and obviously uh, you know re- return here and ride and have has, have success. But I was talking about it with someone who's um, not an avid punter, but but they'd sort of heard bits and pieces about people talking about it. Um, in the in the in the press, and they sort of said, "Why? You know, we're all Australian. Why is it is it something to do with their tracks or something?" And that's why I posed the question to you. So sometimes it just seems like they're they're not rolling along as much down there. No, no, uh, but there's a lot of races like that. But uh, yeah, so there's, I don't think there's an answer to it really. What did you make watching the uh, oh. the guineas? Well, Gator was whinging. He jumped off Fangirl. I back Griffin. He passed a couple of runs for two wins and jumped off. Uh, so. I think it's obvious that Militarise was a forgive run. I still think King Colorado went enormous there. He is 
not far behind militarised, I don't think, as far as talent is concerned. So I'm tying those two to the hip. And when you're looking at, you know, we'll isolate a Cox Plate militarised $9 and King Colorado $31 or $26, I think they're too far apart. Mm. Yeah, that, that uh, I was just about to say that. One, you can get $7.25 the place, King Colorado, and militarises $9 to win it. Um, Chris, news to come out of this. I know that you're up in Sydney, but um, has anything filtered back up the highway? Obviously, uh, Chris would have been happy with the run of militarise. Unlucky, you know, obviously didn't get the win, but he would have been happy with the run. No, oh, well, I don't think you're ever happy when you get um, that that sort of run and, you know, you, you do, there's what is. But he, I spoke to someone in Melbourne who I really respect and his opinion of Militarizer's run was it was every bit as good as So You Think in the Guineas when it got beat and it come out and won a, and he said it come out and won a Cox Plate and he thinks it should be favourite for the Cox Plate. So, you know, that that puts it into perspective. I think, I think So You Think we're in fifth and it was a similar sort of, Slowly run race, got back, didn't get home, and then come out and led them all the way in the Cox Plate. So I don't think Militarise could do that, lead all the way, but I think he's right right there in the Cox Plate, and I wouldn't would expect him short. And I, I had I haven't spoken to Kieran and David about what they're going to do with Griffin and and um, King Colorado. Now there is the option to flip back for two weeks to a mile for a million dollars for three year olds in Sydney. So um, that'll be interesting to see if any of the horses come back from. That race into it now. Group one winner Griff, so his futures futures done. And King Colorado, as I've said, he he's he's a very good horse. I think maybe two thousand metres will see the best of him. Yeah, Marera rides the weight. He can yeah. get down to yeah, the Marera rides. He's booked Marera in. Marera can ride the weight, so that's that's a big plus for um, Militarised. He he sticks he sticks, and I just think the pressure of a Cox Plate will suit him better. Like he loves those races where he can. Um, where there's a little bit more pressure and the and he can um build into the race he's he's got he's got a a really fast sectional in him but he's also he also needs a bit of speed i think you know as a two year old he was just better than them in the golden rose he he showed us that elite um closing speed and just nothing went right on Saturday so he's right in the cox plate especially in a year where there's not a real standout. Mm, well, I think he'd be a lot more into the race if we get a you know a little bit of jar in the track as well. He'd, he'd yeah. come into his own there as well. And speaking of Sydney horses attacking that race, obviously uh, a couple of hours before the Guineas, we had the Might and Power and Alligator Blood. This is a horse you want to go to war with, Duff. Wow, I can't believe he didn't start favourite over just fine. Uh, that just astounded me with Wait for Age, but he... Tim Clark just, you know, I know Tim, Damien went on him last start, but Tim just knows this horse so, so well, and the horse just runs for him. So, great performance. Val Declare, he's a marvel. He is a marvel, and uh, Jewish uh, is going well again, but, uh, yeah, he's a, he's just a ripping horse, Alligator Blood. He certainly is, Gator, isn't he? Um, alligator Blood, and a couple of nice cup runs in behind. Yeah, agree. No, I tipped just fine. I thought he'd mash up. I don't know if that was even the same horse. No, but, um, it wasn't. Yeah, but he, um, but Alligator Blood was was exceptional. I mean, he had uh, sort of knocked up at the end of two thousand metres. His two goes at the trip, and and that was my query going in. But what he's done on Saturdays uh, to get the trail off a uh, fearsome, uh, ridiculous 
speed. I know Deny Knowledge just took control of the rider, but you know, if they're going 16 lengths above Group 1 average for the first half, that's a real test of endurance in 2,000 metres. And, well, he well and truly uh, ticked that box. I mean, they were absolutely crawling the last 200 metres, these horses. He ran 13.28 his last 200, but, you know, he's in front. Um, you know, and then they had to slow up because they'd been running so fast for so long. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was simply too good. And Jewess, look, she wasn't in the best part of the track, but I don't know. Like, off that speed, she should have been able to run past him. Bound to Claire's going great. Uh, gaps behind. Yeah, I'm not sure if a few of the others I want in my top 10 in a Melbourne Cup, to be honest. How many of the other others would be in Cox Plate? That's the only question mark I've got on Alligator Blood. He's, um, Tim Clark's ride was brilliant because when Denial Lodge took off, he, he went the speed he wanted to go, maybe a little bit faster just because getting the drag effect with the horse out in front. But coming to the turn, he was on the bridle and everything else was off 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 it. And, you know, he just he just fought it all the way to hot. The lot. He's, he's just a marvellous story. He was the he was the horse with weight for age for him, and as um, Duff said, I'm surprised just fine started favourite in front of him. But that's the boom of having three straight wins in Sydney. Um, getting off the plane, he might have just come to the end of it at, with um with his win in the um, Metropolitan, which was an absolute dogfight on a track record. He's run two track records as his last two runs. So yeah, time um, to stop. Time to stop with him. Yeah, time to stop and 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 reassess like that. He's he's the sort of horse that that'll I think we'll be seeing in wait for age racing eventually. So, um, Jewess was good. Val and Declare, well, that hectic temple and firm track just absolutely suited the tough toughest the toughest horse in the race, and that's Val and Declare. And he's he's just been a horse that shows up when when the chips are down. He shows up and runs good races. It's 9.39 on Sky Sports Radio. Before we get to a break, let's just hear what the beaten jocks had to say there in Melbourne in relation to uh, the Caulfield Guineas, and then we'll be back after this. Topped interference, top of the straight, and wasn't able to finish. Brian Higgins, the longest yard. Yeah, had the right run in the race, just didn't finish off. Uh, end of prep run. Ben Allen, centrefire. Um, could have ended up in a worse spot. He was still OK late. Tim Clark, Rock Empire. Had a nice run. Um, he probably just lacks a bit of maturity. I think he'll get to a nice level eventually. Blake Shin, Wolfie. Yeah, look, they went slow. We got back. It just made it hard for where we were today. Mark Zara, Shiloh. Uh, beautiful run. Just didn't finish off today. Damien Oliver, Little Bros. Yeah, had a great run and uh, he ran a great race. Just um, ran as good as he could go. Bo Merton's Vedad. Yeah, terrific run. Uh, look, this horse just keeps impressing me every time he stamps out. Uh, he's so versatile and today he's, he's proved himself that he deserves to sort of be on this stage and um, hopefully he can hold up and get to a derby. Michael D, King Colorado. Yeah, tried super hard. Unfortunately, we didn't get cover there, but um, he's stuck on, so uh, to his credit, he ran a great race. John Allen, Stapati. Look, he's running well. Um, just the way I presented on the corner, I will say it was a little disappointing, I thought. Um, ben definitely controlled it in front, but I thought we got into it at the right time. And just felt he, was a, just, he wasn't as dynamic as he was the last couple of days when I let him go. Joe Moreira, militarised. Uh, he didn't have that early speed that needed to put himself into the prominent position. Considering that he got that far back and he hits the line to a good fifth, I will call it a really good run. Harry Coffey, Southport Tycoon. Yeah, he had a forgetful day. Um, things just didn't go right. We didn't get to see the best of him. Missed the start, got back, got in interference, and it was just a tough day for him. Thanks. Damien Layden, V8. 
he ran super. Uh, he travelled in the run great. Uh, when I got out, I thought I was a winning chance, but unfortunately the winner had an answer when I got to him, and um, he was really strong over that last 150. So, you know, he was back to his best. He tried hard, and um, unfortunately the winner was too good on the day. On Sky Sports Radio, the traffic report. Women's Big Bash Cricket is back. See the Sydney Sixers take on the Melbourne Stars at North Sydney Oval. First October 19 plus. Kids go free. Buy tickets today. T's and C's apply. Sydney glades full of crash on Victoria Road City Bound. Stanmore bus broken down. Parramatta Road Westbound just past Bridge Road. Out of Brighton the Sands. No problems on the Grand Parade and General Homes Drive. Southern Cross Drive rather busy. And Brisbane, Kangaroo Point, slow traffic on Main Street going northbound. You can get almost, almost anything on Uber Eats. From grocery items, fresh fruit and veg, meat and produce and alcohol, to takeaway meals, all delivered within the hour. I'm Ian Wallace. That's traffic on Sky Sports Radio. Nova Employment has been matching businesses to staff with ability for over 30 years and has an unbeatable track record of success. Hi, my name's Bradley Martin. I'm the owner of Bronx Creek and I'm nutrition. Jade came to us four years ago through Nova and, you know, we haven't looked back. Kicked everything stocked up, keeps all the, all the shop clean. Yeah, he's there to do it. Recruiting? Choose Nova Employment, the premier disability employment service. Visit novaemployment.com.au. Government incentives may be available. Scotty Pippen here. If you're not watching the NBL, you're missing some of the best basketball in the world. The biggest dunk, the biggest stars. Watch every NBL game with ESPN on KO Sports. Be trackside to witness the Five Diamonds Prelude and Big Dance Wildcard, Sydney's newest race day. Revel in a dazzling kaleidoscope of fun, food and fashion and party on with live music by Bjorn again. Spring Wildcard Day, October 21 at Royal Ramwick. Book now at theracers.com.au. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Welcome back to Sky Sports Radio. It's 9.43 uh, we've opened up the phone lines, 13.53.53. So give us a call if you've got a question or something to say. And Simon has done just that from St. Ives. G'day, Simon. Hi, Dave. Very good, mate. What have you got for just, us? Well, look, just ringing to say thanks. I um, I scored the four tickets on Friday to the Everest, so we just had the best day ever at the track. Sensational. Who did you go with, mate? Oh, we had, oh my better half and her son and daughter-in-law. So um, Great stuff. No, look... Got up onto the wink stand, level one. It was terrific. So obviously that all to, uh, that, that's all GA managed. there down there. And and when was the first, when was the a bar Saturday? When was the last time before that you were at the races? Oh, I go sort of every now and again. I'm, I, I've got um, I'm part share owner of Samana, so okay, we go when she races. But um, look, it's just that demographic now. The race is just phenomenal, and the sweet Caroline, everyone joins in. So it's just amazing day. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Simon, mate, and thanks for phoning up and winning the ticket yeah, on just Friday. Thank, um, just wanted to thank the ATC and Brett Devine, so that was, um, was a great day. Thanks, guys. No dramas, Simon. Well done, mate. And we'll have more tickets to give away to some of the big days of the Sydney Carnival every Friday. So we'll get, we thank the ATC and Brett for that and also have to thank Steve McMahon because usually we only give away a couple of double passes, but the guys from the ATC, uh, this or last Friday, they offered away, well, gave us 20 tickets. 20 tickets to give away as a special uh, for the HQ audience, and they lapped it up. So uh, great stuff. We've got another caller coming in shortly. Before we get to that caller, uh, the Kosciuszko Duff, obviously it's always a great story. Uh, A lot of opportunity of people to come 
that uh, that win these tickets. Front page has gone exceptional here. Um, I had to love Jeff Duray's comments after the race, uh, and it was in the press yesterday. He said, "Look, I was a bit nervous this year. I just didn't want didn't want Dale to stuff it up. So he's he was into Matt, but also too the horses pulled up lane after this race. So it's extraordinary his performance, and you look at the time that he's run too. Yeah, he's a good horse. He's obviously. He's a horse that's uh, had little injuries right throughout his career, so he takes a bit of managing, and he's he's been you know he's you know he's been set up for big races in the past, and something's gone wrong. But he's been lucky enough to be right on the day for the past two of these races, which is very important. And uh, he just took ownership of this race and bounded out of the barrier. And uh, we all know his previous form. You know he was should have won the Bogertown Plate. They stayed solid with Tyler. He got a great kick out of it through loyalty of the owners. And, uh, um, yeah, just a good horse. Just a good horse. So they looked the three on paper, and that's how it finished. They were the three-class horses. Opal Ridge was just beaten by a, a flying horse on the day. Far too easy. was so, so gallant in defeat. The barrier put paid to him, and he did a similar thing to last year. His, yeah. turn, his turn is coming in a nice race, and... Uh, He's probably early in his prep, which is good. So there's some some pickings around for far too easy. And what what do you want to say about the rest of Cavalier Charles? Is just a good, genuine, Saturday honest horse. But that race really run to form there. The flow and effect is I think we're going to see a few of these horses appear in a Goulburn Cup. And I think we're going to see a few appear in a uh, Snake Gully Cup. So... If you've been following horses in the Kosciuszko, you're going to see those, at least those horses around that Riverina area. I think they'll they'll head that way um, because there were some good runs. Uh, Gator, he's I know you love this horse. Um, I'm not sure which way you tipped in the race, but I know you've been a big front page fan. Yeah, he's just a ripper. There's not many Remwell in a new market. He's not the soundest horse, but to win that despite being lame is phenomenal, isn't it? And um, only three lengths off the Everest time. Pretty similar first 600, so... Uh, obviously, significantly quicker than the IME race as well. Um, yeah, just simply too fast. I mean, sometimes we overanalyse. I'm guilty of it, but uh, he was too fast. Um, Opal Ridge chased hard, but uh, winner too slick. Chris, any stories to come out of this race? I think Jeff Jure's, um handed this horse to Matt Dale and and given him the playbook. Matt just said after the race, he said. You're on a high, he's basically on a hide into nothing. He said, Jeff just hand, told me and told me every idiosyncrasy, what would happen in the, prepar- in the preparation when, and he said it was almost to the minute that something had happened and Jeff had already told him, this is going to happen, this is what you do. Mm. That is what a what a horseman Jeff Duray was. And uh, we don't we don't get to see these country trainers, uh, a bloke like Jeff Duray, too often in the city and things like that. But there are they, these, these trainers who know their horses so well and he has done a wonderful job with him, Matty Dale. Dale now um, he's got he's got a really really nice sprinter going forward. He's seven. I wish he was six or five because I think we we could see him in another race on on that day next year if he was if he was a little younger. So, but we have seen those eight eight year olds go on uh, and run in an Everest. So um, he was just he was just dynamic, wasn't he? He, he, he Tyler's ride was probably, yeah. was the thing. He went. He went fast enough to the turn, and when you looked at it, he he basically went standard to the turn to the turn, and then he just unleashed, unleashed a mighty sprint, and he ran time that was um, 
quicker than the um, Sydney Stakes, and and they just simply, with his turn of foot, they couldn't beat him. They couldn't get it, get to him. I thought Duff would say Opal Bridge was beaten by the concussion plates as well, but um, I think she's going really well. She, she'll find a nice race. I think hopefully she gets into an invitation or something like that because I think she's a lead horse. She'll be she'll she'll be we'll be seeing her in Group Ones in coming years. People will. people read me wrong, and I've got no issue with concussion plates or or glue on shoes. It's just the bar plates, Chris. Just the bar plates. I don't just like the bars. Just the bars. Anything else, I don't care. The hoof filler, that's nothing. Concussion plates is nothing. It's just a little bit of you know, a bit of rubber under their shoe. That's nothing. It's those bar plates that are, are nasty for me. There you go. All right, everyone out there. Um, because you, I think you came up on Friday on that panel. Someone said, oh, Duff doesn't like the concussion plates. So they've <laughs> got that from me. Hey, um, just on uh, the Jiraiya family, when I did that Kosciuszko tour, sensational to meet them all. He's a, like most of that generation. He's very set in his ways, Jeff. He's a, he loves a VB. So he can't get any VB, unfortunately, at the ATC. Uh, there at Randwick, so he, uh, I'm tipping he would have uh, enjoyed a few quiet ones uh, yesterday. And he told me a funny story, and I'm sure it happened again. When he first won the Kosciuszko the year before, he rang up the local pub and said, right, well, I'll put some money on the bar. And uh, he said to the public, and I'll be down in about 40 minutes. I'm just sort of, you know, here at the stables, etc." Well, by the time Duffy got there... <laughs> I think the money had gone off the bar, and he said, I didn't Ooh. hardly know any of the people in the joint. They just all come in from Corowa. They were enjoying it. So, uh, no, good stuff and good for that part of the world. I think we've got Eddie on the line here. G'day, Eddie. How you going, mate? Good, um, mate. What's on, your, what's on your mind? Well, just first, I didn't know about um, front page um, being lame, so that just makes the effort uh, more worthwhile. Um, bloody good horse and bloody good trainers. Yes. Um, the point I want to talk about is of racing in Australia and Southeast Asia. Now, I haven't read much lately because I've been crook, but Singapore closed down purely because they wanted the land for development. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, that's right. That's right. So there's never, not going to be horse thoroughbred racing in Singapore anymore? That's correct. That's unbelievable. Anyway, state of racing in Australia, um, I think that... Um, South Australia's in a bit of a problem. They don't. The quality doesn't seem to be there anymore, generally, um, not specifically. Um, I know some country race clubs are doing it hard and will do it hard later now with the drought. Just to the panel, what can states like South Australia do? And I don't necessarily agree with all the big racing, the 10 million races, dollar races because I don't think that's sustainable personally. But the country clubs can't continue without some form of more, and I mean additional, assistance from racing, like in New South Wales, racing New South Wales. Any views? Well, um, different angles there. You've gone from Singapore to Adelaide and Sydney. So I, I well, think I've that... been everywhere, Duff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'd say for a, a state to be successful, you've got to have government support and someone to, a government to get behind your racing and be open to ideas and things like that. And obviously the government in Singapore have just... They, they want nothing to do with racing and they, they never have. I've been there for a couple of derby days. You, you can't even get the fields in the paper. Um, 
Macau's in a bit of trouble. Um, so there's a few, you know, a few people that have, you know, been caught napping, and Adelaide's just struggling because they're getting no support from their local government as well. So I, I don't know what the answers are, but um, I think New South Wales and Victoria and Queensland are thriving. So Australian racing is doing well, and I think we're, we're you know we're pretty well the leaders of the pack when you look at our prize money compared to the rest of the world. Chris, I, any I agree about the prize money. Yeah, yeah. the 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 problem with the way revenue is generated these days for smaller states is that you you get your main source of revenue is now not off the TAB distribution. It's off it's off race fields. So South Australia suffers because um, not as many people bet on South Australian racing as they would for Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. So. The the richest states are getting richer, and the and those secondary state those secondary racing states are, are, aren't are, can't keep up because they're not no longer because what used to happen on Melbourne Cup Day let's we'll go right back to the crux of it Melbourne Cup Day used to be a fill up for everyone because everyone would be betting on the tab so there'd be million dollar pools everywhere and that would it doesn't it didn't matter if you didn't have a race meeting on Melbourne Cup Day you're going to make a, a fortune out of the tab and that's that was a lifeblood for the whole of racing. Now, on Melbourne Cup Day, you still get a little bit out of the tab, not what you used to, and you, and you're depending on your race fields, your 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 racing for the majority of your um, revenue. So, Victoria does com- completely great out of out of those carnival meetings, and it's the main reason why New South Wales had to push into the spring. They had to regather what they weren't getting from the TAB with the when race fields come in. So that's that's the that's the crux of the matter. The, the bigger states where more action, more people bet on them, they're getting more money so they can put on $10 million races and they are sustainable because people are still betting on them. And that's, in, in real terms, that's what, what, um, what, is, what, what means South Australia and Queensland struggle a little bit compared to Victoria. Look at um, during COVID, Tasmania shut down its racing. It shut down its mm-hmm. racing because it was still going to get it still it didn't get a lot from race fields, but it still got the TAB money. So they they were quite happy. They they didn't have to pay for racing, and they had um they had a form of revenue coming through. So well, it's a changing world, and um, races. And that's why we've got two spring carnivals now. Um, mm. It is the it is the time when racing can shine, and for the next month, the the everyone is looking at the races because there's no cricket, there's no there's no rugby league. There's no AFL. Um, basketball only appeals to a certain demographic. Soccer only appeals to a certain demographic, and most of that's overseas. So this is the biggest live live sport in the country, and we you can go to Sydney or Melbourne tracks on a Saturday and see the best horses in the country. It's, and and Chris, you've obviously got a, you've obviously got an ecosystem there too, where you've obviously got your big players and big fish that um, you know are, are betting. Uh, whether they're syndicates or whether they are bidding off algorithms, computers, or just good judges themselves, uh, they need that recreational punter as well. Yeah, they do. And the other thing with it, is, Dave, and this is this is borne out by the World Pool on the weekend. You had two million dollar pools, so people could have a bet into into those into those bigger pools. We need a we need a national tote pool as soon as possible. And realistically, that's not going to happen until the Victorian licence is sorted out. So. We know where everything goes. If it all falls in under under Tabcorp, and I know we're on their radio station here, 
Um, I think a national tote pool is something that will happen pretty in the next couple of years because you need liquidity in a betting in a betting system in a in a tote betting system to make it worthwhile for people to play in it. Mm. And if you have liquidity in a tote betting system. It allows people to bet there as well as with bookmakers and, and encourages everything. I know Betfair talk about um, exchanges being uh, a great place for people to bet, but it's it's not the it's it's a acquired habit, and you you've got to understand a lot about betting and things like that to be there. So the bloke who wants to have his ten dollars on something, if he's getting better value at the tote, it it flows on for everyone. And he might have instead of ten dollars, he might have fifteen on a race. The whirlpool is a obviously a huge success, but the the takeout is higher. So is it as good for the punter? I don't know. It probably is if you want to have a big bet. Uh, but if we do a Australian pool, do we keep our takeout the same rate? I think that'd be great. Uh, but if they want to uh, put the you know, there's a lot of toing and froing as as far as merging these pools. I've been talking about it for the last twenty years. Uh, it's well, just a matter of the greed of the people who want a piece of that pie and working out who gets the piece of that pie and working out an algorithm who gets that piece mm. of the pie. The technology's there that you can you can take out whatever you want from those those pools. So if South Australia wanted to take out less or or Queensland wanted to take out more, you can you build it all in and it all goes into the pool and that's that's with the with the gateways they have for those world pools they you know, everywhere's got a different takeout. The thing about the whirlpool, and I've seen a bit of um, talk about this, is with the whirlpool, you are paying for the liquidity in the market. So the extra percent or two percent they take out for win place, you're paying for that liquidity in the market, and it's still fairly competitive when you look to what bookmakers are betting these days as well. Mm. So if you you're giving a better product or or to what, to what is the takeout? Do we know what the takeout is? I think it's seven and a half, right. half on that day, and you know that's a bit more than the that. operating costs and things like that. So, well, let, let's a, let's say it, what, whatever it is. If it was, I mean, you guys are punters, and you know a lot of big punters, and we also know a lot of recreational punters. If whatever the current percentage was now, if that was lowered, and I'm not in the privy business of knowing what bottom lines are for businesses and governments, etc., but if that percentage was lowered slightly, even by uh, a percent from your uh, understanding of how punters work in their history if that was dropped slightly that takeout do we think a, a, the, the whirlpool would be just a roaring success if it wasn't as a high takeout well, what's it in a roaring success we had two million dollars on Everest no but like... even more even more like as in as in what what sort of Duff was saying that you know, is is there you know with with the takeouts and whatnot? I'm just I'm just asking. I'm completely neutral on it because I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm not a um, like I'm a, I'm a punter, but I'm not the one of the big fish that's that's circling uh, and 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 thinking. Oh, geez, I've backed this horse and my takeouts this, or I've got to pay commission on this or that. I'm not. I'm just yeah, purely perfect. having a bet. So I'm just wondering though, would would that be something that could be looked at for the future? The percentage is the percentage that, you know, it's well known. That's what you're going to get. So the odds that you get presented with on the screen in front of you, I've already had that taken out. So would what what would be the change from $5 with an extra percent um, not taken out of the pool? Well, you're probably looking $5.05. Yeah, I think um, 
for too long, we've forgot about our paramutual tote, who's, and we've been selling fixed odds, fixed odds, fixed odds for the last five or ten years, and we've forgotten about the, the hand that feeds racing, mm. and that's the paramutual tote. So I know it's been offset with different rules here and there, but uh, I still think we we it's very important now our paramutual tote, and we've got to do plenty to we've got uh, to keep we, it going. We've it's, got to educate more, Duff. To be honest yes. with you, because in the and it's not it's not just a uh, um, an issue the the tote with with racing. It's I think it's society because and you chat to a lot of young blokes, and because they bet on sport, and they uh, they also obviously think about all of our. You know our life with numbers. Uh, it's a fixed dollar. So if you're going and buying a particular product, you throw that product into Google. You you go and you know find the best price you can, and that that number is locked in. And the younger generation can't understand because they haven't been taught how the tote works. And they that's why they gravitate towards the fixed odds because they go well. If I'm going to have my fifty on that horse, I'm going to win this much. Whereas if they put fifty on the tote. It says six dollars, and then they jump, and it's paid two ninety five. Whirlpool. They think, hang on, well, I thought I was, and that's, but that's an education thing, as yeah. uh, an industry. Yeah, the problem with our, our tote is corporate bookmakers stealing trifecta, Quinellas, first fours, so the, and giving the punters the the tote price. So that's just affected the input into the tote for the dividend for a start, and. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's all right. You let them have the win in place, whatever. But as far as the uh, paramutual Quinella pools, trifecta pools, first four pools, quaddy pools, with so many corporate bookmakers around now giving the service, it's just taken out of the pool. Uh, and and those world pools that you're saying, oh, there was two million in the wind pools. Yes, there was two million in the Quinella pool. There was two million in the in the duet pool. There was a two million. There was there was ten million dollar holds in nearly every those later races. So uh, there's lots of money there that um, people that don't have bookmakers like your Japan's and Hong Kong, where they're all taught to bet into a pool. That's where all the money is, and that's why they're so successful in their business. Mm. The other thing with it, Duff, with with those those pools and betting into those pools is you need to understand what people bet like in in Hong Kong because that was the majority of the pool, and they gravitate to their jockeys and their their and and favourite horses. I I even got caught on the weekend. I've actually sequestered on the world pool, thinking get it hold up, and it didn't. And, Probably took a point underneath, so you know, and I and I would think I'd understand how how this all works. But the biggest um, commercial advantage corporate bookmakers have is best tote, and by having a national pool, you take that that commercial advantage away from. Of course, of course. Anyway, that's that's a debate for uh, smarter people than us, yeah. uh, but it's just common sense that. Uh, Paramutuals fed racing for a long time. You don't, you don't stick your nose up at it. And uh, yeah, even on the fixed odds, Tim, Tim said to me after the Everest, the highest holding Everest, just just fixed odds. Forget about the World Pool. So it's still growing, growing, growing. This race. Uh, speaking of which, boys, have you updated uh, and downloaded your tab app? Well, I think mine updates itself over okay. <laughs> you Because you'll notice that uh, on Sky Racing 1, on the uh, on the Tab app now, you'll find that there's a, a slightly faster vision there for your Tab app. So you'll see that coming yeah. through. It's a new technology they've got. I think it's an Australasian first. 
so I'm going to actually chat with uh, the one of the heads of uh, technology here at, at Sky um, and Broadcast, um, uh, Dennis, uh, this week on Racing HQ, because obviously there's a lot of questions about vision and uh, obviously how, you know, uh, sometimes we see Sky Thoroughbred Central is a little bit slower. If you put two TVs side by side and you watch sort of Sky Thoroughbred Central, um, you might be watching a race at Gosford. On Sky 1, they might jump before on Sky 1, and then a couple of seconds later, it'll jump on uh, Sky Thoroughbred Central. And I've been asking sort of these questions as there was a bit popping up on social media about it. And obviously, we see now uh, on the Tab app that the vision is slightly faster. So it's the fastest place you can watch a race. That's the... Uh, that's the uh, the message, but um, yeah, Dennis is going to have a chat to me about it because it's all technology based. So obviously, uh, there's no, it's not Sky holding vision back or holding time back. It's purely to do with uh, the decoders and systems it goes through, and obviously it has to come from a track, goes to master control here at French's Forest, then gets sent to a satellite, then gets sent down to Foxtel, then it has to go from Foxtel to your box. Uh, obviously, then some have higher definition, some don't. Uh, we'll talk about why as well. Um, there's no high definition in in, uh, in homes for Sky 1 and Sky 2. And obviously there is um, high def in, in pubs and clubs. So a raft of questions that I'm sure Sky get blamed for, for a lot of things, but it's actually nothing to do with us. It's to do with a lot of people probably further down the river. But if you're wanting to watch your Vision quick, you can watch it on Sky Racing 1 via the app, boys. We need some horses to follow. Uh, what, are we, what are we backing? I like a maiden filly called Broadcaster. I think she's got something. Uh, terrific there on Saturday. Kovalika, and he could be a cup source, Sydney Cup horse next year, land legend under Chris Waller's care. Yes, that was a lovely ride by Tyler. That Ooh. was just sensational ride. Uh, we go now to David Gately, who joins us. We lost you there for a little while, Gately, but we've got you back. Mate, uh, the horses to follow. Yeah, any time... You lose me, it's a win for you guys. Look, I think Tom Kitten, Shinzo, more secrets out of Sydney and, and militarised out of uh, out of Caulfield will do me. All right. And what about yourself, uh, Chris? Um, um, Ravello had no luck in the gloaming. I think it'll go very close in the spring champion. Airman, he, he, he's going to be a, a horse that we're going to be talking about around the Everest next year. Land legend, as Duff said, just a great staying effort. Militarised was hard to miss. I think he can win a Cox Plate. I thought Pericles had a bit of a setback, went back to 1,300 metres, rode the speed, everything else dropped out. He, he, he stuck on for 30, was there to be beaten. He'll be much better at 1,500 metres in the Golden Eagle and looks the one to beat. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Have a great week ahead. Obviously, we've got uh, the continuation of good races uh, this week. Uh, I know that uh, in Sydney, we're back at Royal Ramwick on Saturday, so we've got uh, racing there. Uh, this week in New South Wales, we're at Scone, Newcastle, on the Kenzo on Wednesday, and I think you'll find on Thursday, as Riser has just decided to freeze on me, how good. Uh, we're at Hawkesbury, Maruya, Tari on Friday. So Saturday at uh, Ramwick, we'll have those nominations out. A little bit later on, of course, the big day at Caulfield. And uh, so we've got the Five Diamonds Prelude, the Big Dance Wild Card, um, and the Falante Handicap. Uh, and then obviously down in uh, Melbourne, we've got that uh, Caulfield Cup, which will be uh, an absolute uh, beauty. What's Montefilia? 54 and a half with Nash on board. He can make the 54, Chris, and a half? I think it'll be, um, hopefully, he'll make the 54 and a half. I think he's, he can get down to 55. Five, it'll just be a bit of a stretch for 54 and a half, but geez, she's flying. She certainly is. Look forward to all your tips this week, boys. Have a great one and catch you next Monday.